I will send you a draft of the episode. So that's like logistics. Do you have any like questions? <laughs> no, I just okay. love that you called it a draft. <laughs> a draft. <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah, no, no, I'm I'm okay reviewing the draft. <laughs> oh god. No, yeah, no. That sounds aw- that sounds awesome. Yeah, no. Thank you so much. Hello, friends. I'm Lisa Bodner. Welcome to Shiny Epi People, or as my daughters like to call it, Peppy Epi People. Today, we're going to talk about postdocs. Many of us epidemiologists finish our PhDs and go on to do a postdoctoral fellowship. Postdocs have the opportunity to expand their knowledge and skills in a method or a substantive area, or sometimes both. There's also an expansion of responsibilities as a postdoc. No longer are we working on one project our dissertation, and three papers. We now have many projects, more collaborations, and many papers. We're often juggling finishing our thesis work as well, and we have new mentors and new colleagues. It is an exciting time, but as with every step along the way in our careers, it does have its challenges. Today, I'm speaking with Hoda Abdelmajid, who's in her second year of a postdoc at Stanford University in the Department of Epidemiology and Population Health. Hoda received her MPH at Johns Hopkins and her PhD at UC Berkeley. Her doctoral research focused on understanding adolescents' and young adults' use of new and emerging tobacco products. Now, she's studying social determinants of health and disparities in chronic disease risk factors and both cardiovascular outcomes and neurological outcomes. Today, she and I talk about the challenges of a postdoc, choosing her mentors, how she integrated herself into her department, and much more. I hope you enjoy this chat. Hi, Lisa. How are you? I'm great. I'm so glad to see your face. Really nice to meet you. Thank you so much. I'm so, so happy to be here. I remember messaging you. I was like, do you have the right Hoda? Just to be be clear, do you have the right Hoda? (laughs) There are so many Hodas that (laughs) I'm always like looking for someone who will post something like self-deprecating and then I'm like, okay, they're my person. (laughs) Oh, do I got stories for you? (laughs) I don't know what you posted. Oh, that you were waving when you were off camera on a Zoom? Is that or my like my life with my Gen Z sisters is just the bane of my existence right now. You live with your Gen Z sisters? Yeah, yeah. They're we're all in lovely quarantine together and um and so I was, so I was telling the youngest one, I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna be on here," and I and I was like, and she was like, "Please don't tell them you want to be a stand-up comic." Like, Why? <laughs> like, Why? That's what I want to be. And she's like, "Bro, you're not funny." Like, How old are your sisters? One's 22, and the other's 16. They are just in another world. A couple of months ago, they walked in to the house with a puppy, uh, with a seven-week-old German Shepherd that. They just walked in to the house with a puppy, and my dad's super allergic. I like he has all the allergies in the world. My mom, who grew up with 
grew up with a lot of pets, but she's, she's just like, I don't know why she just started crying. My dad's like <laughs> sneezing. <laughs> Wait, did they want you to take in the puppy. This wasn't like a puppy visit. Oh, they they got the puppy. They went to Target, got all the puppies and materials. They named her. They I and I'm like visiting a friend having an existential crisis about <laughs> something else, and I never get messages from my sister unless like a something happened or b they want something on my way back. So like <laughs> so I get message. She's like, bro, where are you? I'm like. I'm coming soon. She's like, bro, you got to get here. We have a surprise. I was like, what is? And she texts me a picture of a puppy wrapped in a prayer blanket. My, my favorite prayer blanket wrapped in a p- prayer blanket. And then I was like, what is going on? And I'm like, coming, everybody's screaming. And then they're like, don't yell. Faye is that bothers Faye. Don't yell. <laughs> and I just like, I was like, who is Faye? What is going on? She's like, her name's Fayrouz, which is like a very famous Arabic singer. Her name's Fayrouz, or Faye for short. Don't yell around Faye. <laughs> and it was just, it was, it was a shit show. It was a shit show. <laughs> and like, they didn't know the amount of responsibility with a seven week old puppy. Both my sisters like lost weight because they're like, <laughs> they're like, are not sleeping and not eating with like Faye. Did your parents, were they okay with keeping Faye? Do your sisters like run the show? 110% they run the show. I, I, I like walk around with such confidence. Like my sister will get views for like pouring milk on TikTok. And I'm like, and I'm like, I swear to you, that was one of her TikToks. And I'm like, I'm like, what is going on? She's pouring milk and she's getting thousands of views. And I'm like sitting there drafting tweets and saving to my drafts. Like they just walk in with a dog. They just walk in with a puppy with such confidence. And I to like move furniture around in my room. Like I have to like, it was like a proposal, an LOI (laughs) and like a grand submission, a resubmission. And I still, it was a no. They just walked in with a puppy. (laughs) How much, how much younger are they to you? So um, the youngest is 10 years younger than me. And then the middle is four years younger than me. So that's something someone, a lot of people don't know about me. I'm, um, I went to grad school pretty young and I graduated pretty young, but I just like, no one can ever know how old I am. I just like, anytime that conversation, I remember in grad school, some people like wanted to go out or something and I'm like totally fine with going out, but then they needed to go to a place that you need ID to go in. And I was just like, uh Oh, you were over 21, right? I wasn't. I wasn't over 21. I was 19 when I started the master's program. Wait. Yeah. 19 when you started a master's program. Uh, uh, When I was in high school, my parents, because they overcompensate for everything, thought I was like, if I went to high school, I'd like do drugs all day long. I don't know where where I would get said drugs. Just like... Anyway, so they were just like worried, really worried about all the stuff in like high school. And so they they were like, uh, someone told my dad about like Montessori. There was a program near our, um, in our community that did this middle college program. It was where you took some high school level classes through their school, but also college, community college classes. And so then I took both. They counted for both high school and college. And then I transferred uh, to third year. Tell me how it felt going into college as a junior, right? Essentially, you were like a college junior. You were 18. 
17? <laughs> 16? I was 16 when I transferred <laughs> and 18 when I graduated. I know, I know. Coda, so you were a tiny baby going to college. That's the thing. I, while I may be ahead in school, I'm so <laughs> immature in everything else. It was, I'm telling you, it was a constant identity crisis because it was, I was always trying to like balance, trying to fit in already, like at baseline, right? How anybody would want to fit in sometimes. And so trying to balance that, but also there was just some things where that I would like say or do that no one just like, the puzzle doesn't fit. Something's up. (laughs) The puzzle doesn't fit. Like I remember on the East Coast when I went, like one of my first days uh, at Hopkins, I like, I didn't know that like, I don't know. There was just like a thing with flip flops. People weren't wearing flip flops. And I'm like coming from California. I'm like going to lab. I was like, great. Can wear my flip flops. I mean, this is like epi. I don't need, right. It's not a wet lab and everything. And so just like the way that I looked, I think it was just very kiddish. I looked like a teenager because I was. <laughs> I looked like a teenager because I was. <laughs> so how did you like make friends when you were in college? Honestly, I think it was the friends that, um, the ones that we were like really alike in terms of school. Like we just loved school. I loved school so much. I remember, I remember like when we, when I went to my first journal club, I was like, what is this glory? <laughs> and I had to hide it. <laughs> and I had to hide it. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> so much. Everybody's going to journal club for the food. I was like, that's literally an added bonus. This is so awesome. And I like, I don't think anybody knows how much I love journal club. I love it so much. <laughs> oh <my> god. <laughs> so the friends that love journal club. That's how I made friends. you know, my recording studio, aka my closet. (laughs) Here we are. And I cleaned out the whole thing today so that you can see that you can actually see the floor in here. I'll bring my mic with me. Oh, shit. And then I was like, it's embarrassing when I have to do the podcast in my closet. And like, I always have my purses here or like my bathrobe. I need to put something behind me. So I'm taking suggestions. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know if I'm the one for suggestions because I don't think you want to know where I am in my house right now. Where are you? You want to take a guess? Are you? You're not in the bathroom, are you? I am. <laughs> when you said today, I was like, great. I can do it. I can do it from the car. No internet work. Can do it from the garage. Nope, that won't work. People are walking by all the time. I can hear them. My dad was like, how about you do it from the bathroom? It's like the <laughs> quietest place. So like I like made sure nobody used the other bathroom. Nobody used the water. So the pipes. <laughs> so I was like, no one pee. If you need a pee, go to 7-Eleven. <laughs> oh totally. Did you see that video with that woman on the meeting on Zoom? where she brought her laptop into the bathroom and pulled down her pants. And she was totally on camera the whole time. <laughs> How did you learn to be funny? Are your parents funny? <laughs> yeah, they were too, I guess. I'm submitting a grant. I, I told them, hey, please, like, please pray for me and my grant. Um, they go, when is it due? Like, when does it get reviewed? I said, like, January, maybe February. They're like, okay, we still got time then, right? <laughs> 
I was like, what? My dad goes, yeah, we still got time. I got lots of other things to pray for. I got a cue. I'm like, what? <laughs> So how far are you into your postdoc? I'm in my second year. What's been good? What has been hard? Interviewing for postdocs in general was miserable. Really? Wasn't miserable. What happened? Yeah, I think I interviewed for like 13 postdocs. Wow. <laughs> I got the last one. And I'm so fortunate because I really, really love the department that I'm in. I love it so much. But I remember just trying to finish up and wrap up all the dissertation stuff and trying to deal with that. And then also trying to manage all the interviewing process. It was not fun a lot and it's really overwhelming and I remember at that time I live in the Bay Area right so there's a lot of the all the tech companies are here and I was people kept on suggesting be like hey how about you like try tech so that I like interview at all the big tech companies god did I hate it they don't have journal club they don't have journal club (laughs) (laughs) what about the position made you excited One of the things is that I got to work on topics that I hadn't worked on at all before. And then I also got to use different types of data sources that I've never used before. So that's something that was really interesting to me as well. I think it teaches you a lot. The department was also going from a division to a department at that time. So it was a really exciting time for me to be in the department. Um, They were growing and, and I really love being able to kind of have a say in that growth. Um, and so so does everybody else in our department. And so it's something that I love. Did you have a list of characteristics or a work style that you had in mind when you were looking for a mentor? Yeah, someone who's supportive. I know, I know that's like such a blanket statement. They're either keeping you at the top of their mind for funding opportunities or they're helping you uh, with grants or they're helping you with papers or they're helping uh, introduce you to other people for networking opportunities. And they're not keeping you in like a pigeonhole to just like do one thing and they're letting you grow. Were you able to suss those out in the beginning before you accepted the position? I think the thing that helped the most was talking to other students or other trainees in the lab. Yes. And I think there's a lot that comes through in just a simple conversation with someone over coffee about like the environment, even the things that are unsaid, I think say a lot. And so I think that that helped me the most. And yeah, it helped uh, make my decision just that much easier. Oh, that's so good. Okay. So you chose the po- the, the podcast. <laughs> no, I did. <laughs> just kidding. So you chose the postdoc. How was it in the beginning and how has it changed over time? Yeah, the beginning was like really, really specific projects. And then later on, as I kind of was able to get um, a routine going and kind of like figure out my place and get dissertation papers out the door, that was a big thing. Like being able to get that off my plate so that I could focus on the postdoc, Mm -hmm. I think was really, really helpful. I know that a lot of people when they finish their PhDs, and this happened with me certainly, is that you kind of have this like post-dissertation depression where you're like, wow, this huge thing just happened to me and I finished it and now I'm going to go into this new position and I don't fucking know anything. And a postdoc should be an uncomfortable time, right? You should be learning something new. It should be uncomfortable. It's sort of like this high that you come off of off your defense. And then you're just like, and now I know nothing. Did you feel like that? Absolutely. (laughs) I went from like all types of tobacco control research to neuroepidemiology. Yeah. And like spatial epi a little bit in the middle. Mm -hmm. I knew nothing 
I knew nothing. Uh, and so I was absolutely so, so uncomfortable at the beginning in terms of like that content knowledge. And again, the supportive mentor says, hey, these resources will help you learn about this content. Maybe you can spend some time before you before we start together and you like and you can learn some of this material. I was like, that's exactly what I want. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I wanted to be able to like start having at least known the vocab. You know what I mean? <laughs> I had that moment during my post talk where he was like here's a here's a grant like read this and you can get all the references and whatever there was like no direction aside from just like dive in and I was like ah (laughs) I don't even know what that is like I'm just gonna sit here all day and like read literature like I don't it it was so uncomfortable it was so hard I remember I'd read a page and I'd be like okay I need to read it again no, no, no. Didn't get it second time. Third time's the charm, I'm sure. You know, I think that like discomfort is such a part of the human experience. Like, and so being able to kind of like figure yourself out in those moments and like sit with it and decide what you need to like manage some of that um, and get comfortable with the discomfort, I think is such an important skill that's like going to take you way beyond your postdoc. Amen. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely. I really made it a thing to talk to other people in the department. People see kind of what their um, what their style is in research, how they approach some of these topics. If they had any advice, I internally would uh, like made a commitment to have coffee with two or three people that I didn't know a week. It's great. That was everything, and I just be and I would just email and say, hey, I'm new in the department. I'd love if I could have coffee with you. And some of them would email me and and say, hey, um, um, welcome to the department and let's go have coffee and like chat about research. It was so awesome. And I got to like learn about all the different resources that were available. And so, and all the different programs and training programs that were available. And so again, I think it speaks to the culture. That's amazing. So it sounds like she is a mentor whose work style you respect. Therefore, watching her as a role model and how she manages her own time, has that helped you figure out how you want to manage your time? Absolutely. And I think that that's one of the reasons why I felt comfortable with it in the beginning, because I realized right away that there, um, there were a lot of similarities in our work styles. And I know that that is definitely not the case for other people. Right. Other people with my mentor may may not appreciate that work style and vice vice versa. Right. Other mentors may not appreciate my work style. I I definitely think that that's something to also seek out. Yeah. If you don't want a million emails in a day about something, then some mentors are not for you. If you want a meeting every week, some mentors are for you. And if you want uh, meetings to play by ear, then some mentors are for you. So it's you just have to, like, be honest and have a conversation about that. Yeah. You know, a postdoc is often a time where like, you know, it's sort of like a kid in a candy shop, right? Like you can just kind of like do all sorts of fun things and you're like, oh my God, I can write a paper on that. I can write a paper on that. I can like, how did you manage all those different possibilities? Honestly, we we had an open conversation about this a couple of times because I am definitely the type to take on way too much sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just saying yes to things left and right. <laughs> And so, and so we had a couple of conversations with this and sometimes it was me going, uh, going to my mentor and being like, Hey, I'm overwhelmed and I need help trying to figure this all out. That was really hard for me to do. Cause I had never kind of done that in terms of, um, in terms of mentee to mentor. 
How are you able to balance work with having a life outside of work? I think the answer to that is that I am really intentional about it. So for example, I have friends that I absolutely love, but sometimes I'm just like super forgetful about like checking in with other people. So I have a list, no one knows this, but I have a list. I call it my check-in list. I have a list of the people that I care about the most in my life. And I just will go down the line, go down the list during the week to check in with them. Sometimes we go for coffee. Sometimes we have lunch. And I think that Honestly, it keeps me sane. I just, I like, you can't work all the time. I can't work all the time. I don't know who can, right? And so I just like need to not be doing epi sometimes. Yeah. How have you managed that since being at home with COVID? I mean, not home with COVID. You don't have COVID. (laughs) (laughs) At least as far as I know. I mean. (laughs) As far as I know too. Heck. (laughs) Who knows at this point? (laughs) Yeah. How have you managed that in this time with a pandemic going on? I have, um, I'm really intentional about not working on some weekends. Some weekends I will work. I'll be honest with you. Some weekends I just need to, to be able to catch up on the work and just for my own sanity. But some, some days I do not touch my email. I do not. I refuse to. I make a rule for that day. Yeah. Because it's helping your mental health. Absolutely. I always feel infinitely better afterwards. Yeah. Beyond your postdoc, next steps, what are you considering at this point? I definitely want to stay in academia. I think that's for sure. And I think it's been taking me a while to kind of settle with that. When you say settle with it, what do you mean? Because again, it was like an identity crisis. Like maybe I'm not good enough for this, or maybe I should be doing something else. Maybe I should be doing the data science at, at some big tech company, right? Or maybe I should do that or, and I'm not making maybe I can make more money there. or I don't know, just a bunch of different things. But yeah, so I think it took a while for me to kind of settle with that and be okay with it for myself. It's like, if this is what you want to do and it's what makes you happy, then just do it. I used to also swim and play water polo in college. I just like love being in the water. Did you really? You played water polo. First started out as swimming and a couple of friends were like, hey, why don't you join water polo and so I was like okay that is so hard that is so much like strength when I was really young and when I was in high school and I and I joined uh my mom noticed that I was like eating so much because it's water polo and it makes you eat everything around you I already eat a lot I remember one day my mom was like hey look I can't keep going to Costco I can't keep (laughs) going to Costco this is too much. <laughs> this is too much. And I remember like after practice, everybody on the team, we'd like go to In-N-Out or something, or we'd go to a burger place and they would like, they we would have competitions on how much you could eat in one sitting. And it would like, it wouldn't, it wouldn't even like put a dent into our appetite, honestly. This sounds a lot like the type of eating I did when I was breastfeeding, that I was just like, I am like a bottomless pit. I could eat anything and I'm not never full, like ever. Exactly, exactly. We were both like burning calories in like completely different ways. (laughs) When people come to you to ask for help, what do they usually want help with? Uh, College applications. College (laughs) applications. Why did they come to you? I guess I'm one of the first people in our community to go to grad school. And so I think just maybe just having done it a few times. <laughs> Do you charge? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> because I think it's so fun. 
because I think it's so fun. <laughs> I think it's so fun. And I have this like spiel that I give. I have this spiel that I give. Oh, tell me. For any application, including college applications, I think if you can answer three questions, then you're good to go. One, why you? Two, why now? And three, why this? Hoda, what's something weird that you do? I mean, I have already gotten a lot of weird things from you. (laughs) But let's talk about something that we haven't covered yet. (laughs) I tend to eat a lot of vegetables like they're fruits. So again, one time in a journal club, I'm like... (laughs) Wait a minute, hold on. It sort of seems like most of the stories you tell, you're like, so one time I was in a journal club... (laughs) (laughs) I had two bell peppers and I was eating them like they're apples and I ate them down to the core. And someone, while like right as I started eating, I was like, what are you doing? It's like, <laughs> I'm eating my pepper. I don't think that's weird. They're like, that is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Hoda, you are so funny. <laughs> I gotta tell my Gen Z sisters that. Take that. Thanks, Lisa. That means a lot. I'm going to take it to them. (laughs) Did you ever have a dream of being a stand-up comic? Oh my god, all the time. All the time. (laughs) All the time. I think the only thing stopping me are my non-supportive sisters that constantly tell me I'm not funny. (laughs) They're just heckling you. You need to like, they're just going to be there to make you stronger. (laughs) Right? They're like reviewer number two. They are. They really are. That's a great analogy. They really are reviewer number two, both of them individually and together. Oh, my God. Thank you, Hoda. Thank this you so much. so much fun. Thank you so much. It really was. It really was. You're so fun. I can't wait to see this on Netflix. Oh, <laughs> I <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> I was listening to the episode with you and Erica. And so she hears it. She's like, it's actually pretty fire. And anytime she uses the word fire or lit, it's her way of saying, got the Gen Z approval. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have a whole vocab. I was like, hey, do you think this is nice? Like showing her a necklace. She's like, yeah, it's ice. What? <laughs> what? Why can't we just use normal words? Just it's so much work keeping up with the jargon and like the vocab. And I'm just like, it's ice. It's lit. It's fire. It's like, it's that's what's up. Like, what? I just can't. We have so many ways to say something's awesome. Why can't we just say the word awesome? <laughs>